Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors just like you about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg and I'm joined with my co-host David Partain. Happy New Year, David. Happy New Year, Laura. Good to be with you today. Excited about today's session. I am as well. You know, on the Flexible Advisor, we seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. And David, as you know, I've been pretty outspoken about the issues that I've seen with how our industry frames female investors. And while I think that that has improved somewhat, I still see very little segmentation within wealth management of the women we serve. What? I am shocked by that, Laura. (laughs) I cannot believe it. But I will say, yes, you are. And it was because of you that we actually invested in conducting a national survey of high net worth primary breadwinners. And what we found in that research, it really broke at least for me, many of the deeply held stereotypes about women and and men that we've heard for decades. And it proved your point. And I was happy that it proved your point that by assuming all women want to invest in the same way, advisors may actually be hurting their relationships. Yeah. So as you know, uh, anybody who brings up the topic gets an earload from me. And so as I was talking about that research with our our guests that will be joining us today, they shared some insights with me about female investors that came from a national research study that they conducted. And their work on this topic further makes the case for advisors to really think about segmenting this group in order to succeed with them long-term. So that's why you and I are so excited about today's episode. And as regular Flexible Advisor listeners know, you and I are basically data nerds. And so discussing not just one, but two research studies sounds like a good time to me. So let's get to it. And today I'm going to turn the tables on Laura. I'm actually going to treat Laura like one of our guests and ask her to share some of the insights from the FlexShare study. And in addition to Laura, I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast, Susan Chahara, who joined us on one of our earlier episodes to discuss the CARES Act. Susan, of course, is a colleague of ours. She works in the Retirement Solutions Group within Northern Trust Asset Management, and she focuses on bringing thought-provoking research and insights, as well as investment solutions to help drive better retirement outcomes for many investors. She has more than 20 years of industry experience and will share insights today from her ongoing study of retirement plan participants. Also joining us today is Anne-Marie Pino. Anne-Marie is a researcher for Greenwald Research, a national research firm focused on the health and wealth industries. She is responsible for the design and execution of research and thought leadership within the financial services and retirement industries, And she has a focus on research with financial professionals, plan sponsors, and key consumer demographics. 
Anne-Marie works with clients to better understand retirement savings and income, investment products, advisor practice management, and employer-sponsored retirement plans. There is a theme here, retirement. She is a key contributor to one of Greenwald's annual syndicated studies, the Retiree Insights Program, and the Guaranteed Lifetime Income Study. Anne-Marie joined Greenwald Research in June of 2018 after working as a researcher in a financial advice and retirement industries. She has an MS in Applied Economics from Johns Hopkins University and a BA in Economics from the College of New Jersey. So I obviously will be the least educated one here today. <laughs> Susan and Anne-Marie, welcome to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks. We look forward to this really interesting discussion and sharing our insights with, with everyone listening. Well, with the three of you, I have some very qualified people, so I am excited. So if I understand it correctly, both of you, and Anne-Marie and Susan, you have worked together on a survey of retirement plan participants. Can you give us a little background on that and how does Northern Trust work with Greenwald and even how long you've been fielding the survey? Yeah, David, I've had the pleasure to work with Anne-Marie and her colleagues at Greenwald Research for almost a decade in surveying various audiences within the retirement ecosystem. And the survey has always had the mission of providing actionable steps for plan sponsors, advisors, in building better DC menus, creating deeper engagement with retirement investors, and ultimately driving better retirement outcomes. The survey actually started with a focus on plan sponsors and consultants, and it's evolved over time to incorporate and ultimately shift exclusively to a focus on the current retirement plan participants and recent retirees, which we've surveyed for the past several years. And Greenwald's been a great uh, partner uh, offering helping us in terms of identifying what the key research topics are. Obviously, trends have changed over time, but some things have stayed the same too. Um, and uncover those insightful nuggets of information from the survey results. And it's been interesting to see the changing behaviors and attitudes of retirement investors as the industry and markets have continued to evolve. Yeah, and just to add a little bit of background on methodology, the study that we're going to focus on today was conducted in 2019 and as Susan mentioned, it was of plan participants. We did talk to workers and retirees, but we're going to focus on the plan participants today. And these were people who were currently enrolled with their employer-sponsored retirement plans and were between the ages 21 to 70 years old. Got it. All right. So that's one study that we're going to talk about. So Laura, please provide a little bit of background on the survey FlexShares conducted on high net worth primary breadwinners. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we mentioned earlier, this is a topic I've been pretty passionate about, and it, it kind of came to life. And I think it was in 2017, I I joined a webinar, and I, I won't name uh, the, the really recognizable uh, firm that put this webinar out, but it was understanding what women want in investing. And so I joined, I was really excited about it. And um, one of the first things that the um, gentleman covered on the webinar was to make sure you make eye contact with women. From that point, it kind of went downhill. So that, that really motivated me to do something better and different. And so our study focused on primary breadwinners. We surveyed high net worth men and female primary breadwinners. And to be a part of our study, you had to 
contribute 50% or more of annual household income. That income needed to be $200,000 or more, and you needed to have at least a million dollars in investable assets outside of home and qualified plans. And in, in pretty much to all of those screening criteria, our respondents um, far exceeded that. What we found was really enlightening, and, and we hope that sharing it will enlighten some advisors who may still be primarily focused on eye contact with women that walk in the door rather than some equally but more important things. <laughs> well, I know from speaking with you, and I chuckle and have chuckled about this because I know that you have selected your own, you and your husband have gone out and selected a new advisor and done all the interviews. So I know you've been in the process. So that's that's why I, I chuckle because I have heard you be passionate about it because of how you were have been treated as a breadwinner woman in your family. I mean, and that's, that's good. Okay. Yeah, a, a breadwinner woman, a primary breadwinner who holds a series seven and has for 25 years and, yeah. and on and on. So it was just, it was an insightful process for us. We, we have landed on a, a group and we're really excited about that, but boy, it was really enlightening. And we hope that people will really understand that, that all women are not the same and that some of us do understand investments. Yeah. So we understand why you're passionate about high net worth primary breadwinners. And so how does the idea for this particular podcast come together? I've worked with Anne Murray when she was with a different firm on some other research projects. And we've uh, been fortunate enough to keep in touch over the years. In fact, we have a, a standing meeting on our calendars, as do Susan and I, to make sure we touch base every quarter and just see what everybody's up to. And so we started, we're all passionate about this topic. In the last few calls, we were talking about it and decided that we might really have something of value uh, to advisors who want to get a better understanding of segmentation of, of female investors. And so Anne-Marie and I looped in Susan, who was the sponsor, of course, of the survey that they discussed earlier. And, and we just started putting this together. You know, I'm really excited about this uh, discussion today. Yeah, and I think I think what's interesting, Laura, is that you and I would touch base and we would talk about women investors. And, and we've taken bits and pieces from our survey over the years to do different presentations and things like that. And while we've never specifically designed our survey around finding gender differences, we've always run the cross tabs and, and looked at the data to see if there were inter any interesting trends by gender income level and other investor attributes. And having a robust set of data to work with and looking at, uh, as Anne-Marie mentioned, both current 401k investors and recent retirees, which the recent retirees in many cases gets closer to kind of the types of women that Laura's survey targeted, we've identified some interesting trends in how women at different income levels might differ in their level of confidence and their approach to investing and working with advisors. Yeah. And, you know, as Laura mentioned, this is a topic of interest for all of us. And I've always particularly been interested in that narrative around how men and women approach finances and investing completely differently. You guys talked about the stereotypes, you know, all women don't like investment risk and stuff like that. And so just through conversations, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to take the data we already had from our plan participant study and dig a little deeper and try to 
get some findings that start to mirror some from Laura's study. And, you know, we did this by actually creating a new segment within our data. And I created a segment that was breadwinners at the mass affluent asset level. And then we were able to make some really interesting comparisons. Okay. Well, Susan Amory, so after that, I am dying to know what you learned. What are some of your findings? Susan, we'd like to go first. Sure. Yeah. When we looked at our general survey population, again, workers who participate in their 401k plan ages 21 to 70, we see some of the expected outcomes by gender. We saw that 52% of men say they have high investment knowledge versus just 29% of women saying the same thing. Um, We also saw that men are more certain that their investments are allocated in a way that reflects the risk that they want to take. And in addition, when presented with different investment options to to kind of determine their risk profile, what we found is that men prefer investments with, you know, wider bounds or wider potential ups and downs in terms of gains up to 20%, but that also means a potential loss of 20%. Whereas women tended to be more interested in in the, in the narrower range outcomes. And in some cases, looking at something more like a stable value profile of gains of up just to 2% with no downside risk, no risk of loss, which signals to us that in that group, men had a greater appetite for risk than women. That goes with kind of the stereotypes that I think many of us have held for a long period of time. Right. But then once we you know, took that data a step further, like I mentioned, looking at that mass affluent breadwinner segment of our respondents, we really started to see some changes in behavior that aligned much more closely with Laura's study of high net worth breadwinners. And some of these typical gender outcomes that Susan just touched upon actually started to disappear pretty quickly. One thing that pops to mind is almost all men and women in this segment think they have been highly successful when it comes to investing for retirement. And it's both men and women of this group that feel confident that they have invested in a way that reflects the risk they want to take, something that there was, as Susan just pointed out, a significant gap when just looking at men and women in general. Yeah, and that that really does align closely with the FlexShare survey. Um, you know, all of our high net worth primary breadwinners were very confident in their investment acumen, and especially as it related to retirement planning, uh, women rated themselves uh, an 8.3 out of a 10-point scale, and men a little bit higher at 8.9 out of a 10-point scale. These uh, high earners are very confident people. Yeah, and I I think we also saw a higher self-rated investment knowledge within that segment of our respondents as well. And and the gap between the men and women on this started to become smaller. So we saw 68% of men rate their knowledge high and 50% of women. So that gap started to close a little bit. And it was good to see women at the 50% level. That's something that I haven't seen in quite some time to rate themselves as having a high level of investment knowledge. And as I mentioned, I mean, a lot of times that we've seen in, in past data uh, results that there's a close alignment between confidence levels and knowledge levels. So if, if someone believes that they have a high level of knowledge, what comes with that is that a high level of confidence and then usually a high level of, of looking back in hindsight and saying, I've been successful. 
Yeah. And so we got in just how our survey was structured. We were able to get into a little more detail on, on a lot of uh, measures of, of confidence and acumen. And, and men rated themselves higher on seven of the eight measures, financial planning acumen that we put forward. Creating a budget was the one that women uh, across the board were more confident in their abilities than men. However, on all those those pieces, women and men rated themselves at least a seven out of 10. And, you know, when we asked about investment knowledge, uh, more than half of our respondents rated themselves an eight or a nine on a 10-point scale. That's men and women. Um, however, 44% of men rated themselves a perfect 10 or what we define to be an expert. You know, I always joke with the advisors I'm talking about, you know, I don't know if that makes your job easier or more difficult to, to be helping so many experts. So let's widen out for a minute and talk about the differences in risk appetite between the mass affluent and the high net worth primary breadwinners. I think advisors might want to know, and it was a great surprise for me to find out what came out from the FlexShare study. Yeah, we did begin to see some additional appetite for risk within this group in comparison to our lower income participant respondents. What we found is that men and women are equally interested in investment with I talked about those wider bounds or so so taking on more risk and being willing to, to ride those market swings, the up 20%, down 20%. We found that both men and women equally, about 21%, so about one out of every five, were interested in that. What's interesting is what we did see is that the smaller bounded outcomes, so the, the ones that I talked about with either maybe you know an up 5%, down 5%, or up 2% risk of no loss, Still, there was a higher weight or higher number of women still interested uh, versus men. So we mm-hmm. saw an interest of more women being more willing to take on additional risk. There's still a portion of that of that respondent pool um, that is still very much um, taking more of a conservative approach. Yeah, in, in our survey, we actually found that men were twice as likely to identify as conservative investors uh, than women. We asked our respondents to tell us how they viewed themselves as an investor. And we we gave them choices from conservative, moderately conservative, moderate, all the way up to highly aggressive. And, and we defined each of those. So everybody was coming at it with the same starting point and definition. And what we found is that um, 14% of women identified as being conservative investors, which seemed fairly appropriate, but 31% of these high net worth breadwinner men identified as being conservative investors. And so what we found uh, on the aggressive side is that men were more aggressive than women. 11% of men identified as aggressive investors versus 7% of women. But but these really break some long-held stereotypes about the way women and men invest. We also found that women were more concerned about income generation, 40% versus 34% of men. And men were more concerned about capital appreciation, 37% versus 31%. But that risk thing was a huge stereotype to reconsider, in in my opinion. Well, you know, early in my career, I did one time, I bought penny stocks. 
And as a man, I can tell you, it changed how I view risk for the rest of my life because it quickly went to zero. So maybe maybe all these men that we, inter we <laughs> were in the study <laughs> bought penny stocks in the 1980s. Who knows? <laughs> but That could be. <laughs> <laughs> so what about differences between the mass affluent and high net worth respondents? Yeah, in our study, one thing we looked at was the usage of advisors. And we see the same rate of working with advisors among men and women when we get to this level. And these individuals who are working with an advisor do have high levels of trust in this relationship. One thing that was interesting that while both men and women said the most important factor that went into choosing their advisor um, was the investment selections available. It was actually women who say the types of fees that are charged were highly important in their search. And, you know, in, in our, in the FlexShare survey, about 60% of our female respondents uh, were using an advisor versus 76% of the men that we surveyed. A, a couple other stereotypes that kind of got busted with our, our data set was um, the loyalty factor. I think we've for so many years, uh, it, it almost seems like the, the stat doesn't change, but 60% of women will leave their advisors after a divorce or a death of their spouse. And what we found actually with this group of high net worth primary breadwinners, while we didn't ask them, will you leave if your husband dies or your wife dies or you divorce, we did talk about, have you thought about leaving your advisor in the last year? And, and what we found is that the women were much more loyal than men. You know, it was, again, almost double the number of men than women that thought about leaving their advisor, which was not too surprising because we think that these women were probably highly involved in selecting the advisor or had the key relationship. It was that that survey was done in the fourth quarter of 2018, which if you'll remember, that was a down quarter. So it kind of, you know, goes to the transactional nature of men who also told us in the survey that, you know, they were more focused on returns while the women were more, more focused on holistic and long-term relationships with their advisors. Laura, what you just discussed actually reminds me of some qualitative interviews Greenwald conducted a few years ago and actually was looking at recently widowed or divorced women. And the these women, the ones who already had an advisor relationship, they weren't looking for a new one. And they credit that completely to what you're saying with loyalty because they built trusted relationships with their advisor. They weren't looking for an investment advice. They were looking for a partner when it came to their financial picture. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and and I don't necessarily think that it, uh, the only way that that loyalty works is if the female chooses the advisor, but it's how well they work together once you know they're in that relationship, and does that male advisor or female advisor pay the appropriate amount of attention to the the female spouse, and that that's really interesting that you you were hearing the same things. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is that is actually fascinating. It sounds like we men are a fickle bunch, though. Um, <laughs> we have a comparison here between two surveys. What takeaways are there for advisors as it relates to this, especially since most advisors are men themselves? Yeah, I, I think I, I can start and just and just say that I think it's just just demonstrates the importance of tailoring solutions and the approach, not just based on gender, but incorporating other attributes like income level, 
and what their role is in the household economics and their household economics. What kind of contributor are they? I think as I think about the current market environment and lower overall return expectations where additional risk-taking might be necessary in order to reach their goals, women that are willing to take on additional risk, and we're seeing that that's the case in some of these other higher income levels, is going to be especially important for women, especially because of the higher life expectancy that they will likely experience and thus the longer retirement horizon. So certainly something that we are, we are discussing and, and thinking about as, as we are um, having conversations with advisors. I think my biggest takeaway really echoes a lot of the points Susan was just saying. And I think the way we arrived at our data really hammers it home. You know, it took me looking at both a breadwinner and a mass affluent section to get the data. When I looked at them individually, it didn't give me any of the results we were seeing today. So it was segmenting a few things together to really get these interesting results. And that just further reinforces looking at just assets or just gender is just no longer enough. And that's how you get some homogeneous um, group that we've kind of been seeing in the past. And just moving beyond that is so important, both for client satisfaction reasons, as well as business development and client retention. Yeah, and I'll, I'll cite a, a recent McKinsey study that was published in, in uh, 2020. As of 2019, McKinsey tells us that, 10 tr- that women control $10 trillion in, in assets, which is a big number. But what is um, really eye-popping to me is that by 2030, that number is expected to grow to 30 trillion. So in less than 10 years, it's going to triple. For advisors, again, echoing what Susan said and what Anne-Marie said, you know, you have to understand who you're serving, their biases, their education level, and you need to do everything in your power to create a real relationship with with that woman or with both partners, if it's if it's a spousal relationship that you have. Sometimes it's going to be for the men, sometimes for the women. Make sure your clients are educated. I know that that may be more difficult than it sounds. Some people are not interested, but you need to find a way to engage them and make them both realize how important it is to understand how to create a financial future that will take them through their retirement and provide a legacy for their family. Well, that's great. Well, I know this session filled Laura's emotional tank. I am sure she's going to be happy now. And Susan and Anne-Marie, thank you both for joining us today and for a very enlightening conversation. We appreciate it. Thank I'm you. glad we can share, share these insights, and I can't wait to see what the future holds uh, for women and, 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 and to see how this continues to evolve for advisors as well. Well, if you would like to know more about Greenwald Research, just go to greenwaldresearch.com. That's G-R-E-E-N-W-A-L-D research.com. And if you'd like to read more about what Susan is doing, go to Northern Trust Investment Institute or ntamii.com. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. 
click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.